December 5th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pebet Amud Aleph, five lines from the bottom. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are dedicated in honor of Jared and Nanette Feldman on the birth of their new grandson, Tamarcia and Joe Gamal Mabruk. Uh, we hear in the Gemara, five lines from the bottom again, says the Gemara, it's uh, being Doresh, for our purposes, the Pasuk, Vayar Pinehas Ben El Azar. The Pasuk describes at the end of Parashat Balak, after the sin of Benot, uh, after the sin of Benot Midian, together with uh, many of Am Yisrael, but more specifically, Zimri and Kozbi, a sin that we've described and we'll discuss. Over the course of the next Amud in the Gemara, Pinehas sees something. And the Gemara goes out of, excuse me, the Pasuk in the Torah goes out of its way to tell us, Pinehas saw, and then he acts. And the Gemara, as a result, we saw one interpretation. We'll have several interpretations as to, in the eyes of the Hachamim, what's the Torah alluding to? It's not just talking about the coarse reality, the, uh, uh, the actual seeing with his eyes. There's something more in those words. Vayar Pinehas says the Gemara, Mara'ah. What was it that he saw beyond the physical that impressed the, everyone else saw as well? What was it that Pinehas saw? Amar Rav, the first opinion here in the Gemara, Ra'ama Asev in Iskar Halacha, we mentioned this last week. He saw this act just like everyone else did, but as a result, it triggered within him a memory of an earlier Halacha. Amar Lo, he turns to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, Ahi, Avi, Abba. My, the, the brother of my father's uh, father, my great uncle, that's who Moshe Rabbeinu is to Pinehas. Pinehas is the son of El Azar, who in turn is the son of Aharon, who of course was the brother of Moshe. He turns to him and he says, My great uncle, Lokach Limaditani, didn't you teach me, Beridetcha Mehar Sinai, as you descended Har Sinai, that the halacha is, Takutit. You told me, you instructed us that a person who has relations with an Aramit, um, as we described, as we explained based on the Gemara, in a public way, that's what we learned in our Mishnah. Zealots have the right, not the obligation, the right to kill him. Amar lo, says Moshe, admitting to that, realizing that he forgot the halakha in this instance, karyana igarta, you who are, in a certain respect, the reader of the letter, you're the person who's set to read the letter of the king, ihu lehave pravanka, he should as well, meaning you, be the messenger of the king. You read the message of the king, you read that letter, you described the halakha in a way that I forgot, you should act upon it as well. That's not an instruction, per se, of Moshe to him. That would be, as Jesse explained to us last week, a problem. If uh, the question is, the Gemara says, if you question the Beit Din, we saw this at the bottom of Daf Pe'alef Amud Beit, in Morinlo, you don't instruct. This needs to be an act of zealotry. It can't be an act of instruction. But Moshe really is saying to him, you knew the halacha. You were the one who instructed the halacha. Act upon it. Uh, continues the Gemara, a different opinion. Shmuel Amar, not like Rav, that the Re'iya is the Ma'aseh, and in turn it triggers a Zechira. So Certainly not. When he's asking, you know, why would he, why would he on to go kill him? Why would Moshe Egemon? Yeah. Moshe is only saying to him, if you know the law, you know, why not go ahead? That's effectively all he's saying. Can't be any more than that. 
Next line in the Gemara. Shmuel Amar Ra'a she'en chokma ve'en tibuna ve'en isa neged Adonai kol makom she'esh chilul Hashem en cholkin kabod larav. So Jared points out that which Shemuel here in the Gemara will point out. Uh, says Shemuel, looking at the scene from afar, of course, thousands of years removed, he says, what happened over here? Uh, Pinehas acts in the place of Moshe. The Torah tells us Moshe doesn't know the law. People had turned to him and asked him the law, and Pinehas steps up and acts without uh, abiding or without bowing to the will of his, or, or, or to the ruling or to the vision of his mentor, of Moshe Rabbeinu. Says the Gemara, it's Pinehas's realization in that moment. Now, of course, this pasuk is stated much later to Pasuk in Sefer Mishle, but the concept rung true even then. In Chokmah, ve'en Tevunah, ve'en there's no knowledge, there's no intellect, there's no advice, there's no wisdom. When you're dealing with when you're dealing with the will, the truthfulness, the reality of God. And as a result, this is the famous halakha of En Chokin Kavod Larav B'makom Chilul Hashem. If there's Chilul Hashem at stake, uh, even though it's uh, at, at times, if not always, necessary to honor the rabbi, but it's Hilul Hashem, you need to act, there's, uh, there's pressing circumstances. That's, so to speak, what he saw. He saw the need in this moment to even go against what might seem to be a dishonor to Moshe at the expense of dishonor to God. What would the dishonor to God be, explains Rashi, even in those few moments, even if it's an hour until Moshe comes back with the law, people will walk away and say, that was permitted. People will say, that's a permitted action. It doesn't, doesn't get punished, at the very least. As a result, we're dealing with Hilul Hashem, even in split seconds or moments until Moshe remembers or gets the message from God of what to do. Pinecha says, I need to act in that moment. Next says the Gemara, Mar Azar, Ba'am. This last opinion says that Pinehas uh, noticed, he saw that there's Malach HaMavet, that the, the, the messenger, the angel of death has come and it's starting to strike people in the nation. He needs to stop the plague. He needs to stop people from dying. He realizes there's only one way. He realizes this egregious public act which is being performed, that's what needs to stop, which in turn will stop all of these deaths. The Re'iyah of Pinehas then is not this Ma'aseh at all. So the first opinion says he sees the Ma'aseh and he remembers the law. The second one says he sees almost in a spiritual sense what's taking place. The third one says he sees the lives of others falling and he realizes he needs to act over here. Pasuk says that he arises, he gets up from amidst the Ida, this is Pinehas, and then the Pasuk says, He takes a spear in his hand. That's interesting. You'd imagine he's holding the spear when he gets up. What's the idea of he gets up from the Ida and only then, so to speak, he picks up the Romach? Says the Gemara, we derive from this the law, the halakha, that you can't enter into the Beit Midrash together with weapons. First and foremost, well, what's the Beit Midrash? Which Beit Midrash are we talking about? The Dirasha is from that word Ha'ida. It says, Vayakum, he gets up, Mitoch Ha'ida from amidst the Eda. The Eda very often is a reference specifically to the judgment zone, to the judges in the nation. 
explains Rashi, basing himself on the Gemara earlier in Daf what happened over here was Moshe convened the judges, I mean the Pesukim even allude to this, to try to determine what to do, how are we going to treat, how are we going to deal with the people who have done Avodah Zarah. Pinehas is present at this judgment, ruling, and deliberation. He gets up from that. Oh, it means he was in the Midrash. It means he was in the courthouse. He was in the place where they're discussing Torah. He could not and should not be holding his weapons when he's amidst that context, when he's in that context of Kedushav Bet Midrash. That's the statement here in the Gemara. Happens to be that in Shohan Aruch and Siman Kof Nun Aleph, Shohan Aruch is posek lahalacha, that you can't enter weapons into a synagogue. It's in the Halachot of Beta Keneset. He says you can't bring a weapon into a synagogue. And the reason, interestingly, is not from our Gemara. It's rather from much later. It's from Urchot Hayim, who in turn quotes from Maharami Rotenberg that the Gemara Masech Berachot and Dafnundalit says that Tefillah is Ma'arechet Hayav Shel Adam. Tefillah brings forth a lengthy life to a person. So as a result, don't enter into the Knis, into the synagogue with a long sword. Long sword takes away the life, or long knife takes away the life of a person, Tefillah is supposed to operate in the opposite way. Uh, Rabbeinu Peretz is quoted by the Poskim as disagreeing with this. Interestingly, on our Gemara, in the back, Maharaz Hayut asks, uh, why, not, uh, why not bring a proof from our Gemara? That's why you can't enter into the Knis together with a, a, a weapon or a knife of some sort. So Gemara over here says, Mikan she'enich nasim b'klezayin lebet ha-midrash. Ha-ham Yosef in his Yahavedat Heleken Siman Yot in a footnote, he addresses this issue. He points out that we're posek la based on the Gemara Masech Megillah Daf Kafdale the Shohan Aruch and Siman Kof Nun Gimal that the Kedushah the sanctity of a Bet Midrash is higher than the sanctity of a Bet Knesset of a synagogue. Which means to say, if you want to take a synagogue and turn it into a Bet Midrash, that's permitted. Technically speaking, I'm not telling you there aren't loopholes, but technically speaking, you can't go the opposite way. You can't take a place which is a Makoma Miyuhadli Torah and turn it specifically into a place just for Torah. Of course, loopholes would say for tefillah. Um, so, uh, as a result, says Hamvad Yosef, and then he in turn quotes it from others. Says this is not a great proof. Our Gemara is saying you can't bring a weapon into the higher level sanctity holiness place. That's the Beit Midrash. It doesn't mean you can't bring it into a knis. That's why you need maharam. That's why you need the the fact that tefillah is a lengthening of life and weapons are a shortening of life. Hamvad Yosef himself, however, is dealing with an issue in Israel for security reasons. Soldiers who want to pray, what are they supposed to do? Do they need to? It happens to be illegal, if I'm not mistaken, according to the army in Israel, maybe everywhere, to leave your weapons separate from you. You need to sleep with your weapons. What are you supposed to do with your weapons? So I... I understand it's against the halakha. I know we have dinah de malchuta dinah. Maybe we should check. Anyway, effectively, what he, he concludes the Teshubah with is you want to, at best, uh, to try to take out the, uh, you know, the bullets from it or cover the gun at, uh, even better. In other words, if you cover it, it's, it's less, uh, less of an eyesight for others, or less of an eyesore for others. Uh, at, uh, at, at worst case scenario, for protection, of course, we're going to say that it should be in the scenario. If it's for protecting people, there's no question in that circumstance is permitted. Again, it's not per se the entrance of it into the synagogue, it's the fact that it's uh, uh, revealed. In other words, even the, the long uh, sword and the knife which was talked about was permitted if it wasn't revealed. Okay, continues the Gemara over here. Shalaf shinenah be'unkalo. Says the Gemara, here's the way Pinehas uh, ventured upon 
uh, entered into the area of uh, Zimri and Kozbi. Keep in mind, the Shevet of Shimon, as the Hachamim described to us already, are highly charged. They're, they're excited about this sin of Shimon, uh, of, excuse me, of Zimri. Uh, so as a result, he's got to be careful, Pinehas. He's going to kill him. It's not as if everyone's rooting him on. The people are actually going to be angry about his action. So therefore, what he does is he takes the Shinena. We actually saw that word not too long ago about the reference to the, uh, what Shimuel used to call Rav Yehuda, he called him Shinena, the sharp one. Shinena means the sharp part of the spear, meaning the, the part that's going to hurt someone. He takes that off. Shalaf means he takes it off and and he places it in his shirt. So he takes the top of the spear off, puts it in his shirt, and now he's taking the, the, the what's it called, the staff, the stick part of the spear, and he's using it as if it's a cane. He's walking with it as if it's his walking stick. Again, people look at him. He doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look intimidating. It doesn't look as if he's coming to do something uh, out of the norm. He enters into the area of Shimon, of the Shevet Shimon, where, of course, Zimri is together with Kozbi, where he's got 24,000 people rooting him on or excited about this. He, exc- he exclaims, he remarks, of course, he's coming from Shevet Levi. He's a descendant of Aharon. And they are from Shimon. Another way to impress himself upon them, to say, I'm a part of you. I'm, I'm looking up to you. I want to be like you, is to say, I'm not better than you. So he turns to them and he says, where do we find ever that Levi is greater than Shimon? I don't think we should be greater or better than you guys. My tribe is better than yours. Amru, they hear this. Oh my goodness, it's someone from the higher tribe, from the Shevet of Levi, who's talking as if he's one of us. Maybe he's lower than us. Hanihulo, let him in. They remark one to the other and they say, oh, he's also here to do his needs, explains Rashi, to do tashmish. He's here also to, to settle his pleasures with these, uh, with these women or with this woman. They furthermore remark one to the other, the pirushin, parush means a person who's set aside from the hanaot of olam hazeh. It's a person who lives a higher standard of life. That was pinehas. They say even the parush, even the person who's an ascetic, a person who doesn't involve himself in indulgences, they're matir. They said this action is permitted. Now, that's why he's here. He's talking as if he's one of us. He's permitting it for himself and for others. Amar Hanan, before going onward and describing the scene, says Rabbi Hanan, you should know, shisha nisim na'asu lo lefinehas. There were six miracles that taking a step back and observing what took place had to be six miracles that made this work for Pinehas. Uh, otherwise, it would have been somewhat of a failed mission. It wouldn't be as successful as it ultimately was. Of course, awarding him Parashat Pinehas and awarding him Birit with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ehad, the first, Shehayalo li Zimri lifrosh velo piresh. First and foremost, had Zimri just separated himself from this woman, Kozbi, after seeing Pinehas or hearing Pinehas, Pinehas would not be able to kill him. Of course, the Halakha we saw already in the Gemara is you need to be in the act in order to kill them. Well, had he just separated himself, the whole thing would have failed. Not only would it have failed, the people would have heard what was taking place and they would have killed Pinehas, we assume. And Pinehas could not kill him or them if they weren't in the act. But apparently, Zimri was so lustful, or it's the miraculous intervention of heaven, that he continues in the act. So Pinehas has the opportunity to kill him. Next, Ve'echad shehayalo 
Velo diber, Pinachas at the very least, excuse me, Zimri at the very least, he's in the middle of sinning, he could have screamed out. Had he just screamed out, people would have come and killed Pinachas. People would have come and pulled Pinachas out of there. He's silent as well, Zimri. He's just involved in his act of sin. The fact that he doesn't open his mouth uh, opens the opportunity for Pinachas to perform this, this courageous act. Ve'ehad shekiven bezachruto shel ish u'benakbuta shel isha. And thirdly, it's the fact that Pinachas was able to, with his spear, directly uh, position it in a way that it gets the private parts of uh, Zimri and Kozbi, because specifically then he keeps them together so everyone can see in the aftermath of what took place that they were actually sinning. Had they not, uh, had he not speared them in such a fashion, they would have somehow separated one from the other, even after death, and not everyone would be able to look at it and say, oh, he got them in the act of sin, he did right. This was a terrible circumstance where Pinehas taught us the lesson of what to do. That wouldn't be understood had he not had done it in the right place. The fourth one is the fact that they didn't fall backward or to the side on the spear. He spears them and he takes them out in such a fashion as the vision of the hachamim. Had they fallen off or to the sides, people again would not be able to see the rightfulness of Pinehas, the wrongful deed that was performed. All of that was part of the scene. All that was necessary to verify this action of Pinehas. And fifth is the fact that the mashkof, the entrance to, I guess, the tent where the two of them are, was raised up miraculously by a malach. Why did that need to be, Rashi explains. Had it not been, Pinehas would have needed to lower the romach, the spear, downward, and as a result, they would have fallen, they would have dragged on the floor, whatever, he wouldn't be able, he was able to carry them just at a regular height without having to move that spear upon which he had just speared the two of them. Had, he, had the entrance been lower as it normally is, he would have needed to lower it, they would have fallen off. What's that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, we got to start working out. We could be like And lastly, the Malach, as this is taking place, is killing the nation, uh, which means to a large extent they are distracted and don't realize what's taking place with Pinehas. Had they realized, even though. Even though um, Kosbi uh, and Zimri kept their mouths shut, it's very possible they would have nonetheless noticed what was taking place and come to the save for uh, Zimri and in turn foiled the plan of Pinehas. Uh, Pinehas takes them and he throws them down, Zimri and Kosbi, in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I imagine that's around the Mishkan area, so he doesn't only carry them out. He might carry them to the Mishkan outside the Mishkan. Or maybe it's just outside, and it's in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's going to speak with him. Amal Fanav, he exclaims, he remarks, Because of this sin, because of these two people, 24,000 people from the nation should die. And of course, that's what's described in the Torah, 24,000 people died. But uh, in the eyes of the Hachamim, this stops it. The Torah describes how this stops the plague. It doesn't just stop it because of his action. In the eyes of the Hachamim, it's because of his courageous, his audacious, almost attack. He comes back, he says, what are you doing? 
How could it be that you act in such a fashion? Now the Gemara does say in Masechet Ta'anit and Dafkafe, you're not supposed to talk this way to HaKadosh, but not this specifically, but you're not supposed to be Matiyah Devarim Kelape Ma'ala. You're not supposed to talk in a way in which you're almost uh, not only doubting, but you're putting down the, the plan of God. The Gemara Berachot on Daflamid Aleph, Daflamid Bet, has similar to this act of Pinehas in the eyes of the Hachamim, where he's screaming at God. I have to say those words, that's really what he's doing. What's that? The Gemara has, Moshe does something similar, Eliyahu does something similar, Hannah does something similar, and even Abraham, Haftispeh, and so forth. So um, when we're dealing with, and it has to be distinguished very clearly for us, when we're dealing with uh, people of that caliber, of that stature, and are speaking from a full and, and, and complete L'Shem Shamayim perspective, they're thinking for the nation, they're thinking out of themselves, all right, so then, and we can't fully comprehend and understand and appreciate it, then you're yelling at HaKadosh Baruch Otherwise you can question, this questioning is not Asur, if it's kept between yourself and Akadosh Baruch Hu, but to scream at him and to make claims and demands, we generally, the Gemara and Ta'anit says we don't do that. Anyway, if the Pasuk says there were 24,000 who died in this Magifa Aleph, uh, um, and, and that's the uh, that's that's the Mon and that's similar uh, as and as a result to the description in Tehillim Vayamod Finehas Vayfalel. The pasuk says that Pinehas stood Vayfalel. Now the Derasha is Amar Bil Azar Vayitpalel Lo Neimal. Pasuk does not say that he prayed Vayitpalel Ella Vayfalel. And the understanding of the Hachamim is Pilul is a reference to fighting, quarreling. Melamed Kibyachol She. It's as if, and the words of the Gemara this time, uh, uh, Jeffrey, are kivyachol, so to speak. He was fighting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, so that's the act, and that's the moment of Pinehas. He doesn't just act with his hands and with his spear. He then, with his mouth, uh, turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and requests, or demands better yet, that this plague, this magifa, cease and stop. The Gemara describes how the Malachi Asharet, the ministering angels, want to push Pinehas, get him out of the way, get this guy, move him out of the room. He shouldn't be talking this way to Borei Olam. Amar lahen HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivyachol responds to the angels, Hanicholo, allow for him. Why so? This is in his blood. This is in his blood. How so? Kanai ben Kanai hu Meshiv Hema ben Meshiv Hema. He's a zealot, the son of a zealot, who was the zealot who preceded him, says Rashi Levi himself. Levi himself, this coming week's parasha, with regards to Dinah, the action of, Le- of, of Levi, of Shimon and Levi, in truth, uh, is quite, quite zealous. They act in a very a vengeful fashion at the people and person who, uh, who act upon their sister. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, listen, it's in his blood, but you should know there's something more in his blood. He's also a Meshiv Hema, the son of, or the descendant of a Meshiv Hema. Hema is a reference to anger. He knows how to stop anger, maybe through a vengeful act over here, but he knows how to stop anger. Who's his ancestor who stopped anger, explains Rashi. It was none other than Aharon at the Magifa after Korah. Korah's, after Korah's action, so people are dying left and right in the nation. And Aharon walks through the people with the ketoret. And he's Omed ben Hachayimu ben Hametim. He has a way of stopping the plague. Says, Kivyachol HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this moment, listen. He knows what he's doing. I know it's not the traditional standard way we expect and see people acting. What's that? He's the real deal. He's got it in his blood. It's part of his metaphysical DNA. He says the Gemara, Anur, Hithilu Shivatim Mevazinoto. 
All right, so maybe that was in the Beit Din Shel Ma'ala. That's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His angels are talking. But, you know, we have a way in this world of not appreciating true matters if it seems as if someone's acting out of the norm. They're now uh, speaking shamefully about him. Who is the people in Am Yisrael? Re'item, they say it one to the other. Ben putizeh, shepitem avitim mo agalim la'avodat kochavim. Ve'harag nasi shevet mi Yisrael. Did you see this individual? You know who he is? You don't know who his ancestor is? His grandfather from his mother's side used to fatten calves for Avodah Zarah. He was involved in the process of sacrificing and preparing the animals for Avodah Zarah. He's the one, we'll talk about who in a second, he's the one now who's killing a Nasi, killing a prince from our nation. I mean, who does this guy think he is? Who is his ancestor? Who is that? Uh, was Pitem Agalim Avodah Zarah? The Gemara in Masechet Sotan, Daf Mem Gimal, has this as being Yitro. That's right, it has it as being Yitro. It's uh, hard for it to be directly Yitro. It's a few generations off. Okay, maybe it's a great-grandson of Yitro. The Gemara over there as well has that the word, because uh, he, he's called Ben Putiel. Elazar Ben Putiel. Or, excuse me, marries Midbenot Putiel. Uh, the other interpretation of the word Putiel is it's about Yosef. Shepitpet Yisro. He had a way of... Uh, of, 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 of dealing with, with, with difficulty and pushing away, ultimately speaking, his yeser hara, uh, so it means that, and the Gemara ultimately says that he's a descendant on his mother's side, from one side of his mother's side, from Yosef, and the other side of his mother's side, from Yitro. But ultimately speaking, the claim they have is there's a little Yitro in him, and a little Yitro we might look at as positive, but in essence, Yitro was, in the eyes of the Hachamim, in the description of what took place, he was a part of Avodaz. This one, he's, who does he think he is? His metaphysical DNA is actually for all sorts of rotten things. He's going to act with zealotry to Akadosh Baruch Hu. It's for that reason that for a second time, the Pasuk gives us his Yehus' lineage. What I mean by that is the fact that it gives lineage is normal. The Torah does that very often. But the first time we saw his act, the Torah already told us who he was. So we already knew who he was. Maharsha points out this is a second time at the beginning of Parashat Pinehas as he's being rewarded, Berit Keunat Olam, as God is speaking to Moshe and, and sending the word to the people. We repeat his lineage. Why are we repeating his lineage? Uh, in order to make clear who he is. His ancestry is actually very fine. There might be a little Yitro involvement there, but he's really a descendant of Aharon HaKohen. Amadei HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe, Hakdem Lo Shalom. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Moshe, bring forth in front of him a peace. Sheneemar lachen emor lo et biriti. Shalom, that's what the Pasuk says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is presenting and giving to Pinehas his covenant of peace. He needs peace from the people, the Gemara seems to be implying to us. The people, not HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not the Malachi any longer, the people, the regular yo-yos in the nation, they're all making claims against him. He needs Berit Shalom. And furthermore, you should know this atonement uh, in his midst and for the nation should be one which is internal. Uh, the Derasha seems to be, Marsha points out from the word Vaychaper. Vaychaper doesn't say Vikiper, which would be in past tense. Vaychaper is in future tense. It's an eternal kapara. Says the Gemara onward, Amarav Nachman Amarav, Maidichtiv. What is this difficult and hard to translate Pasuk from Sefer Mishle? Pasuk seems to be talking about different types of animals and so forth, but the Derasha will be altogether different. Zarzir Motnaim Otayish. 
Umelech alkum imo. So we're going to break down this pasuk very quickly in the Gemara. Zarzir, we're going to do the gematria, we're going to do the numerical value. Motnaim, the Gemara is going to have as a reference to the word hamtana, something about waiting. Uh, the pasuk then talks about taish, latush, means to, to, to weaken. Uh, so the reference then, the pasuk, again, we're decoding this pasuk, something about a numerical value at the beginning. Motnaim, to wait. Taish, weaken. Umelech alkum imo, we're going to read that as HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Alkum as HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, so says the Gemara, what does that pasuk mean? Uh, the derasha again of Rav is in the context of Pinehas. How so? Arba me'ot ve'isrim ve'arba be'ilot ba'alo torasha. The Gematria of that first word, Zarzir, is 424. It was 424 acts of relations that that Rasha Zimri had with Kozbi in this moment or in these many moments. Oto hayom, that day. Vihimtin, the next word as I told you, motnaim, we're reading as waiting. Vihimtin lo pinehas achetashash koho. Pinehas is waiting until taish, until he weakens. In other words, pinehas is waiting. He doesn't just spear them. He wants to make certain that he's going to be able to take him down. He needs to take him down. He needs to see that he's waning in his strength and his energy. But 424 be'ilot is just waiting by as this terrible sin just continues. And Vihu anil yodea, but Pinehas himself in the eyes of Rav didn't know Shemelech ilkum imo that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was together with him. In other words, he didn't need to wait in order to do it almost in a natural way that Zimri won't be able to fight back. He didn't realize God's going to be with him. He's in an act of divine inspiration and divine vengeance, he's able to do this even without waiting. Then Matnitatana, we have an alternative teaching, Shishim, There were 60 Be'ilot. Where'd we come up with the number 60? Says Rashi, he doesn't know. Rashi writes, Shishim, Ve'ena davarim is ba'mikra. In other words, the 424, we had Gematrian Zarzir. This one, all right, from somewhere else. Achin Asa, until Kivyachol, and Hachamim are getting a little bit graphic over here, until Kivyachol, his, his ever, his, uh, his private part, became Kibesah Muzerit like a confused and mixed up egg, which means to say uh, the, the description is his, uh, his seminal emission is getting all messed up. He's so involved in this act, this terrible act again and again and again that it's just uh, at a certain point it got thrown off. And not only that, Vihi and Kosbi, Hayita Ka'arugamile Amayim. She's uh, almost like a, uh, a garden bed filled with water. She's so filled up with all these acts of sin. Amar Rav Kahana umoshava And says Rav Kahana, and you should know, the place where she would sit afterwards was huge. Of course, it's an exaggerated number. Betzea is the size of a field, of a large field. And as we're describing her as almost being bloated after all these acts together with Zimri. Taner Rav Yosef kever shela ama. Amma, of course, is a, uh, is a foot and a half, and the kever, says Rashi, is the bet rechem, is her, her opening. Her opening womb area is the size of a foot and a half. That's not, not, not very much, seemingly, not a uh, literal statement, but it's an exaggerated statement. You should understand that she's bloated, he's all confused in terms of, because they're so egregious and exaggerated in their action in this moment before Pinehas comes and stops. And Amarav Sheshat, lo kosbi shema, says Rav Sheshat, 
Shabbat her true name was not Kozbi Ela, Shvilnae Batsur Shema. Her true name was Shvilnae Batsur. So why was she known as Kozbi in the Torah? Again, this woman who's Kozbi Batsur from Midian. Velamanikra Shema Kozbi, Shekazeva Beaviha. She neglects, she negates the words of her father. Remember we saw in the Gemara earlier, the Gemara described how her father said, we're from a family of monarchy. We don't just get involved with the lower class. You want to get involved with Am Yisrael? Only the top of them. Who's the top? Moshe. And Zimri, in the eyes of the Hachamim, has a way of sweet-talking her and saying that he's greater than Moshe. Ultimately speaking, she went against her father. Why is her name Kosbi? She says to her father, Kos, Kos Rashi says, means to be Shohet, slaughter. I want to be the one who slaughters this nation. I want my act to take them down. I don't imagine I'm going to go off and live happily ever after with Zimri, but I know I'll take down this nation. I can seduce him. And this is similar to the uh, adage, the statement of the Hachamim. Why is this woman, Shivilnai, again, Kosbi, why is she hanging out with the reed trees out in the swamp area? It must be she's involved with wrongful activity. She's looking for uh, promiscuous uh, sexual activity. Why is it that she's involved with uh, the, the, the husks of those uh, reeds? In other words, she's out in the swamp area where nothing good could be going on. Uh, says the Gemara, Gafta le'ima. She brings forth Gafta, uh, Rashi explains, uh, is hinifa uh, ima. It means uh, sexual promiscuity, um, uh, prostitution. How she brings forth prostitution for her mother? She brings forth prostitution for her mother, explains Rashi, because when there's a person who's acting wrongfully, oftentimes the way people express it is she's the daughter of, and they kind of associate the sin with both. Amar Hanan hamisha shemot yeshlo lezimri. Uben Yeshla says the Gemara there were five names for Zimri. What were they? Zimri, Uben Salu, Veshaul Ben Akinaanit, Ushlumiel Ben Surishadai, and Shlumiel Ben Surishadai. Let's go through each of them very quickly as to why he was referred to as each one of these. Zimri We said earlier in the aftermath of his sin, his besa, his his private part became muzeret, became all mixed up, became all peculiar. That's why he was known as Zimri. So he's forever known as the peculiar one with regards to his private parts or his uh, reproductive organ. Ben Salu, why was he known as Ben Salu? Al-Shihisli Avonot Shel Mishpahto. The word hisli, Rashi explains in one of two ways. Either it's to mention and to tell, or it's to look into. Either way, slice Rashi has pesukim. It's a reference to making public the sins or the wrongdoings of the family. They looked at this person, Zimri, and they said, uh, Ben Salu, oh, he's a family. It must be a sinful family. They started talking about that. Shaul, why was he known as Shaul? Al-Shehish'il atzmo lidvar avera. He uh, gave himself over for sin. Now, in the simple sense, it just means he sinned. Uh, if Musa were here, he would tell us that Maharhu, Maharhu and others of the Mikubalim suggest that Zimri wrongfully acts, but in the moment, but has the right intention. He was supposed to be together with Kozbi, according to the Kabbalists, but he does it preemptively too quickly in order to try to exonerate the people. That's the reference over here, almost as if it's a good intention, but wrong action. Ben why is he known as Ben Al Shena'asa Ma'ase 
Kena'an, he does an action like those of Kena'an, meaning a wrongful uh, sexual promiscuous activity. Uma Shemon, what's his true name? Shelumiel ben Suri Shaddai Shemo. His name is, uh, his name is uh, ultimately speaking, says the Gemara Shelumiel ben Suri Shaddai. But wait a second, those other names, uh, Shaul ben Akna'anit, were the children of Shimon. Is his father Shimon? Or is his father uh, Shelumiel? This question of Maharsha. It's not fully clear. The Hachamim seem to conflate two people over here, but those are the five names according to our tradition with regard to Zimri and the explanation for each.